Praise the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. I hope <clears throat> that you have taken the time or will take the time <clears throat> in the next few days to um, read and the few chapters toward the end of Matthew and toward the end of Mark and Luke and <clears throat> do your best to uh, read what happens this week and this what we would say is the Passion Week, the week of Palm Sunday uh, to Easter. Of course, this next Sunday is Easter, and I, uh, I know it's our, as a Christian, it is our, one of our hallmark Sundays. Uh, we have a lot of people that uh, come to church on Easter and Christmas, and um, we do our best. Uh, I know to try to encourage people to come all year long, but Easter seems to be one of those um, watershed moments because it is the definition, if you will, of Christianity and what it, the essence of Christianity really is all about. In that regard, I know that when you uh, look at um, the uh, uh, Bible toward the end of those books, you begin to read. And I think, and I don't want to belabor the point, I know many of you have um, know who we are. We are growing apostolic legacy. We have, and today is of course Palm Sunday, and it's noted because they cut down branches. And I'm going to read you a portion of that scripture that occurs today as we go through uh, the word of the Lord a little bit. But I, I really would like to, in, for those of you who are Bible scholars, to remind you that Jesus uh, was talking mainly to Jews, to people that had been raised in uh, Judaism. They were Jews by birth. They were Jews in practice, and they uh, understood Jewish tradition, and there was no hint of Christianity. There was no hint of another uh, way. They believed very sincerely that there was going to be a Messiah or a leader, but they believed that he was going to establish a physical kingdom, a kingdom here on earth, and that that kingdom would, be, would rule the world. And so it was with this kind of thinking in mind, of course, many of them not understanding the spiritual implication of what was going on, that Matthew, the 21st chapter, starts in and it says they were coming near Jerusalem and they got to Bethany or Bethage and then near the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to two of his disciples, go into that village over there and you're going to find a donkey and a colt tied up and bring them to me. And if any man tries to stop you, just simply say, 
the Lord hath need of them. Now that word there, Lord, was meaning almost, if you will, the Messiah, the, the Lord. It was not said lightly. It was not said flippantly. And so imagine, I don't know if said uh, that's what happened, but I don't know if anybody stopped them, but the Bible goes on. Matthew later wrote, Matthew and Mark wrote Mark later and they were making sense of all the things that they had seen. They hadn't kept meticulous notes but as it, the Holy Ghost inspired them they began to write and they recognized wow that was fulfilling this and this was fulfilling that and Matthew there says all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. And, and meek and sitting on a donkey in the colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. When Jesus told them, Go get a colt, they had no idea. They just thought, oh, well, he said, go get a colt. He's going to ride. He's tired of walking. He's exhausted. So we'll go get him a donkey. Now, amazingly, <coughs> they went and that word for colt means one that was really never ridden. And they put their clothes on him. I'm sure they were trying to gentle this little animal down. He was, I'm sure, uh, <coughs> you know, an animal that's never been ridden. Uh, it's probably a little bit skittish. They bring that animal uh, to Jesus and all of this was done to fulfill Zechariah the ninth chapter and the ninth verse that's in the Old Testament and mom and dad you can write that down right there and you can go back and read it but basically it says the daughter of Zion is you know has said thy king is coming sitting on a colt and so it was like one of them remembered wow that's why that Jesus had a colt come and went and got that. And Matthew continues on down in the eighth verse, and he says, a great multitude of people spread their garments in the way. Now, imagine, and I, I just can't imagine a, a little animal and somebody's running up and throwing their coat down, and they're throwing their coat down, and, and they're cutting branches down, and I can't imagine that that animal was not like, what? is going on. I mean, just a regular horse would have been spooked, you would think. One that was well wrote, ridden and, and trained and, and all of that, and yet they, they threw their garments down and the multitude went before them crying, Hosanna to the son of David. And, and what that basically means, that word Hosanna, and we said it this morning, we sang Hosanna to the highest, Hosanna, Hosanna. It means salvation is come. And so they start crying out in the streets, salvation is here, salvation. And they did not realize it, of course, became just sort of as we have a, a, a greeting, praise the Lord, and somebody else says, praise the Lord back. And when we used to be able to shake hands and hug neck, well, praise the Lord, how are you? Praise the Lord, and it's our greeting. But it really means to worship the Lord. 
And really, technically, if somebody says, praise the Lord, you ought to throw up your hands and say, Lord, I love you. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Now, that would freak everybody out. We won't do that when you come back. It'll be all right. We'll, we'll still greet with praise the Lord. You know, we don't want to freak you out. because oh, Hallelujah. And you start worshiping the Lord. But that's really what it means. It means to praise or worship the Lord. Hosanna means salvation is here. Salvation has come. Now they use it as a greeting. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest was how they were singing and hollering and shouting and crying out. Now again, imagine that little animal is just, I would think beside himself at this point. And I preached a, a sermon several years ago on the unbroken coat and how, that you know, can you imagine that animal is in this crowded environment? Here it is taken and, and from its mom and now it's being led and now it's got somebody riding on the back of it and it's going crazy and people were coming into the city of Jerusalem because it was Passover week. This week starts the Jewish festival of Passover and I think maybe, I, I think it's maybe this Wednesday it will actually actually occur if you are following a Jewish calendar and so people were coming in to celebrate Passover and the city was getting crowded and yet now people are hollering Hosanna 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 blessed is he that cometh in the and so they're screaming and here's a guy being led and people are cutting down branches and throwing garments and that's what this Sunday was all about <coughs> and some of them said who is this and they said, well, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Now, immediately, you understand from that that they didn't say, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, this is the anointed one. <clears throat> they thought he might be, but they really weren't sure. What they were doing was it was just a, oh, man, this is great. He's come in and look at what we're going to cheer and we're going to get excited. He's the local hero, if you will. And so they said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. We know where he is. We know who he is. He is not Jesus the Christ. And yet the Bible had said in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, the 62nd chapter, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Luke, the 19th chapter, said that when they heard these things and he, and he spoke parables when he was near Jerusalem, they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They were under the impression that it was going to happen. All of a sudden, the Messiah was going to come back and, and it was going to be the fulfillment of Psalms 118. And the, the, some of you remember Psalms 118 because it started 
starts off, you know, about the Lord, his mercy, his mercy endures forever. And you can read it and it sounds like one of those repeat psalms, but you get down to the end and it says the stone which the builders refused hath become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doings and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the Lord's doings and this is the day that the Lord hath made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Anybody been praying that this week? <laughs> save, Lord, arrest the COVID virus. Bless us, Lord. Our country and most of the world economy has tanked. Save, Lord. We need your help, Lord. And so just like all of Jerusalem, the whole world is, is looking for an answer. Is it social distancing? Is it antibody testing? Is it what, what can we do to stop this? What can we do to get people back to work? What can we do? How can we get out of this? And some are willing to turn to the Lord and some are not, unfortunately. I came out of the store the other night and, and, and somebody was just screaming obscenities. I don't know if the store didn't have what they wanted or if they were out or what. And I thought, oh, it hadn't made you softer. It hadn't made you think twice about yelling. And I was three car rows over and they were screaming. And I thought, of course, that was in Newark, Ohio. I was going to say in the southern part down in Heath, but it really wasn't. It was up in the Newark in the north. I was going to blame the southerners. But here they were, and I, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, blessed is he that comes. That's how Psalms quotes. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which has showed us light. And then the next part of that says, bind the sacrifice on the horns of the altar. They didn't realize that those praises about blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord was going to start the process this week of ending up with that guy that's sitting on the colt being the sacrifice for the sins of the world. They quoted the Psalms, but they didn't realize how vital and how important it was. As it goes on in Psalms, it says, Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And here they were saying, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Who is that? Well, that's Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. They were proclaiming that Jesus was Lord and didn't even realize it. Sometimes I guess we can praise the Lord and not even fully be aware. And of course, 
what they were, I'm sure, remembering were the stories that they had heard about how Solomon, uh, David had put Solomon on a donkey and led him around and it was a, a symbol of humility and, and a king that was going to be, you know, uh, here he was riding on this little donkey and this little colt and, 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 you know, he had been tied up, he had been set loose, he had been never ridden, he was the firstborn so he should have been redeemed, that animal had been redeemed, he was led through a crowd, the noise, the branches, and yet somehow that animal submitted himself to the will of God. And I wonder, you know, what it will take to get some of us to submit to Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what all the commotion is, but you know what? I am going to I want to be in your presence bad enough that I'm going to praise you and worship you and let your spirit flow through me wherever I am. And I understand that's what that all meant. And yet Jesus had been doing everything he could to show that he was the Messiah. He had, he had been very secretive at first. He would say, don't tell anybody. But as he began to wind his ministry down, he began to do go to great links. As a matter of fact, in, in, the, in, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, Simon uh, Peter says, thou art the Christ. And he said, that's true. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood had not revealed it to you. He had fed multitudes. He had healed. He had opened blinded eyes. He had raised the dead. He had spent numerous hours preaching and teaching. All of these things were being brought together almost as a funnel down for this last week right before Calvary John the Baptist himself had preached repentance and that's one of those first things that you have to do and if you don't know the Lord today let me tell you your first thing is to say Lord I need to repent I need to ask you to forgive me I've been doing my own thing that's what John preached he said and John prophetically said when Jesus came this is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world and then John, Jesus submitted himself to John's baptism. And of course, that's another important step is being buried in the name of the Lord. And this week, he ends up teaching some amazing lessons. You go from Matthew, the 21st chapter, through the 24th chapter, and you will read how he talks parables about a king that sends servants out to a husbandman and that, that man kills him. And finally he sends his own son and he says, surely they will listen to my son. And that illustration was what was going to happen to Jesus. He tells that parable during this last week. And he says things like, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he starts challenging the scribes and Pharisees. And he says, you all listen to the law and you think you know the law, but you don't. You're not understanding that the law is really standing right here in front of you. And he said something like, God is not dead. He's not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. He talked about a whole chapter, Matthew 24, about the signs of his coming. They asked him, Lord, when will these things be and what's going to be the sign of your return? And he spends an entire chapter about earthquakes and all these things that are going to happen. And he admonishes his followers. He says, watch and pray for you don't know what hour that the Lord is going to come back. 
He tells the story, the parable about the ten virgins. And you remember, five were wise and five were foolish. All during this last week saying, get ready, stay full of oil, stay full of the Holy Ghost. And that's going to be the hardest thing right now because we can't meet at church. We can't be here all together. And so it's up to me now individually. Am I praying? Am I reading the word? Am I tuning in? And I'm thankful for all of you that are. But am I at home? And am I just a couch potato and going, oh yeah, that's great. Oh boy, there they go. Yeah, hallelujah. Or am I saying, Lord, am I standing when they stand and raising my hands and praying and involving myself and participating and worshiping or is it just something that's noise to sort of fill in the time because now here we are that's what the oil those that have oil and those that don't and this is when he washes the feet of the disciples during the celebration of Passover and he goes to the garden to pray. And when you read some of these words, you, you, you recognize the power of what he said. And, and, and we're going to look at that this week where Luke records it. He says, Father, if you're willing, please remove this cup from me. Why? Because while we know that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, he was at this stage, he had to be all man to go through this and be the fulfillment of the sacrificial lamb. He could not go through it as God. If he went through it as God, he was not tempted in all points like we are. He couldn't be a high priest to us if he was not able to feel what we feel and he was not able to feel the weight of what was going this is why you see such agony and such so many words that sort of feel like you're ripping him apart why because he had to experience this week especially as a human all the miracles he did were as human all the things that he the temptation was as a human everything he went through he went through it as a human he didn't go through it as God because God is not going to be able to be subjected to all of this. But although he was God, the Bible says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And how many times have I had to be faced with something that I had to say, Lord, my humanity doesn't want to do this. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I, this is not me. Nevertheless, <laughs> I'll do it because of you, Lord. Oh, the servant's not greater than the master. And the Bible says there appeared a supernatural being, an angel that ministered to him and strengthened him. And I want to tell you, there are, there are ministering spirits right now that can go wherever you are at home and in the midnight hour when you don't seem to have and know what's going to happen and the fear tries to come in, I'm telling you, you can begin to raise your hands and the Lord will send you an ever-present help in the time of trouble and he'll strengthen you. And then the Bible uses this phrase, and being in agony.
agony. And you read that in the Greek, it meant that he was in so, it was in excruciating. I know there are some of you that are in excruciating pain and you may have been in the hospital and you may have gone through agony with your physical being or with your family. Jesus knows what it feels like to be in agony. And he was in agony and, and he prayed. What did he do? He prayed the more earnestly. He prayed more earnestly. Sometimes when there's nothing else that you can do, you just begin to raise your hands and close your eyes and begin to say, Lord, I don't have the answer. I know my brother's got a bad report. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm in agony, God. That means I've got to pray more earnestly. I don't know what earnest means to you, but it may mean standing up. It may mean raising your hands. It may mean walking around your kitchen. It may mean laying your hand on the television or the computer and saying in the name of Jesus, I'm getting in earnest about it. You see, every time Jesus had gone to pray, he never bothered to even ask for people to come pray with him. But this time, he knew this was going to be different. And he said to Peter, James, and John, would you come? And there was nobody that went. They went a little further, and then they fell asleep. And he was in agony, and he was praying. And although Peter, James, and John weren't there, there was an angel that came right into that presence and begin to strengthen him. I want to tell you, there may be nobody in your home right now and there may be nobody that you can text or call and they may have said you're going to the hospital and your family can't visit you but I'm here to tell you there's a ministering angel that's able to walk right into that room where you are and he's able to strengthen you. That's what happened to Jesus. He knew what it was to be alone. And then the Bible uses this phrase, and he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And then it uses this phrase, falling to the ground. Why? Why would the Lord inspire them? And I know from a medical standpoint, and I'm not a physician, but, you know, they tell you that when you get so in agony that the capillaries in your temple, you are so, you, you have, you have, I've never been there. I don't know, maybe some of you have been there that much agony, but until that literally the blood vessels in your forehead begin to break and till where this blood mingles with the water and John and Luke wrote and it fell to the ground. Now Luke was a physician and he understood the importance of what he was talking about and I I like the fact that it says it fell to the ground because Jesus was the second Adam and it was the ground that had been cursed. And this was the first moment in a garden where it all started in the Garden of Eden that now blood mixed with water. It was going to happen just in a few hours later on Calvary. But now for the first moment, the blood began to flow down into the ground. Jesus was going to go further and take the very thing that, that the Lord had said when he looked at Adam and he said, cursed is the ground for your sake. Thorns and thistles are going to come. Jesus was going to watch as a soldier pulled up a thorn out of that ground that had been cursed and wrapped 
wrapped it in a crown and placed it in his head. Why? Because he said, I'm doing this so that a church can go and have the power of my blood. No matter how cursed your life may have been, no matter how bad you have been, no matter what you have gone through, I'm talking about the blood that is able to break every curse, that is able to break every chain, that is able to break every habit, every addiction. I'm talking about there's that much power. The blood can cure the curse of the ground. It broke the curse of the thorns. It broke the curse that's over all of us. All of these things Matthew, the 16th chapter, I quoted a while ago where where Simon tells Jesus, thou art the Christ. And then he says, I must suffer. And you remember Simon Peter's reaction to Jesus. No, not so, Lord, you're not going to suffer. And Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. Then in the last part of that, Here's what he tells his disciples, his disciples. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. Newsflash, Google message. We've been following you for over three years. Hello? We're the disciples And yet Jesus said, if any man comes, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. What is it profited if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What is it that a man has in exchange for his soul? What are you saying? I'm saying to you this morning that there is nothing more important than getting your heart right with the Lord. I don't care how and what you've gone through and I know I don't know what our nation will go through and I don't know what the world economy was going to do. I have no idea what it's going to happen a month from now or six months from now or if we'll come back to church and have to have social distancing. I know one thing I, it doesn't really matter I'm still being ask the same question whether you're a disciple or whether you're not a disciple and that is can you lay it all down at the altar and still praise the Lord and still worship him because that's what this week is all about it's will I be one to take up my cross not the cross of redemption the cross of the redeemed Jesus is all going to do that himself but this is my cross I don't know what it's what it is. I don't know what I'm going to have to go through. I don't know what you're going to have to go through. And your cross may be different from my cross. And my cross may be different from your cross. But every one of us is faced with the same question. And that is, how much do I love him? And will I ever stop? Will this be enough to make me stop giving? Will it be enough to make me stop worshiping? Will this be enough? Will COVID, when I'm at home, will it make me stop loving my wife or my children? Will it make me, because you know what they say, they say divorce rates are up, they say alcohol sales are up 50%. 
Will this be enough to make me turn back to my addiction? Will this be enough to make me escape? Will this be enough to make me jump and say, cut bait and run and I can't take it anymore. You don't understand. It's too much pressure. Or will I pray like Jesus in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. Will this be enough that I have to stand in line out in front of Costco's and Walmart and get in and they don't have any milk? Will it be enough to make me say, God, what are you doing? I'm going to walk out of the store in frustration. Or am I going to say, Lord, you are so great and you are so wonderful and you are so amazing and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but one thing I do know is that somebody paid the price of the blood that was shed and to break every curse. He is more powerful than anything that we have. And oh, I don't know, you know, well, my hope is built on, 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 on 3M sending us plenty of masks and I, you know, well, I'm sorry. They've already shipped them to Germany and Latin America and wherever else. Well, my hope is built on China will find a cure to the virus. Well, okay, I, I, maybe Israel will. I don't know. Whatever it is, my hope is built that, you know, well, we're, we're going to go to a cashless society. My hope is built on, my hope is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. What? blood. <laughs> that what he prayed in the garden what he's going to shed on Calvary this week of almost 2,000. Oh that's where my hope is the blood of Jesus. Oh you say pastor I don't understand. I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm afraid. Well let me just tell you I, I don't know what's going to happen either but one thing I do know is that when Jesus, when they begin to realize who he was, he said, let me just ask you this. It's going to come a time. In fact, typically we will celebrate by partaking in the Lord's Supper sometime in this time of year. We won't be able to do that. I don't know. The next time you go to Giant Eagle or Kroger or Walmart or wherever, Aldi's, wherever you shop, buy a thing of juice and unsalted crackers or whatever. Take communion with your family this week and gather them around and you know we, we I'll try to find something for you if you need something. We'll we'll, we'll do something. What, what are you talking about? My hope is built. I'm sorry. I'm not having hope. I, I thank the Lord for our medical profession and our doctors and, and yet when you listen to the doctors, uh, you read one doctor from New York and it's terrible and it's horrible and another doctor from New York and it says it's all a joke and we don't. I, my hope is built on nothing less then Jesus, I hope that's what this turns to this week. That like those that came out of Jerusalem and watched him come in on the donkey, that we can say, Hosanna to the highest. Salvation! is come. That's what I'm hoping. As a church, we pray, Hosanna to the highest. Salvation is come. Would you stand with me?
for just a few moments before we say goodbye. We're going to